episode 188. Late Night Internet Marketing. This week on the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast, we are going to talk about imposter syndrome. Who am I to talk about imposter syndrome? What do I know about it? Oh gosh, maybe I'm an imposter. Broadcasting late at night from a little studio in the big state of Texas, your host, Mark Mason. Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? Greetings and salutations from the little studio in Dallas, Texas. I am your host, Mark Mason, and you are listening to the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. We do it late at night because... We got full-time day jobs. We're trying to get a thing done. We're trying to make the internet a better place. And so we do that work part-time, late at night, and we do it because we love it. I hope you have had an absolutely fantastic week. I hope, I hope you haven't been weeping. I hope you've had a fantastic week. And I hope that everything is just going your way. And if it's not going your way, I hope that there's a little something in this podcast that helps turn that around for you or takes everything that you're doing to level 11, as they say in Spinal Tap. We're going to turn everything up to 11. And I wanted to talk to you guys today about imposter syndrome. And this episode is motivated by the idea, by an idea that Amy Porterfield put in my head. I I love Amy Porterfield. I don't actually know her all that well. I met her a couple of times, but I've taken a couple of courses from her. She is a fantastic and amazing woman, and I, I love her for so many reasons. One of the reasons that I love her is because she's real and strong. And having three daughters, I'm very interested in the kind of role model that Amy is for other women. I admire her for lifting up women in the universe because that is something that's really needed and Amy is uniquely positioned to do that and I admire her for doing that work not just for the work that she's doing to teach people amazing stuff because she's really good at that but the example that she's setting for all of these women that follow her as her ideal customer avatar I I respect her very much for that so that said, I'm in one of her courses right now. As you guys know, I'm in her Digital Course Academy, which is truly amazing. And I'll be telling you more about that next week in next week's episode because I want to give you an update about where I am on my course. But one of the things, you know, she's running this course. There's a couple thousand people in this Facebook group. And one of the recurring themes that comes up when you're trying to teach a new course creator how to create a course is they have these creepy heebie-jeebies that come into their mind, these thoughts 
that come into their mind. And, and it is, it goes something like this. Who am I to teach people this topic? That's, that is a question that I guarantee you that every course creator with the possible exception of PhD university professors teaching freshman college students, that is a, that is a thing that every course creator worries about. Who am I? What gives me the right or the authority or the license to be teaching this person anything? And it's not just course creators, right? It's podcasters, it's bloggers, you know, it's even affiliate marketers. Who am I to review these lawnmowers? I'm not an internationally famous lawnmower expert. I'm just a guy who likes yard work. So who am I to tell you whether the Honda lawnmower or the Yamaha lawnmower is better? I haven't done 20 years of extensive study. You know, how do I know? I mean, how, how do I know that what I'm saying is right? And how will people trust me? And what if they don't like me and all this stuff? And we call all of this thing, this who am I thing, this question, we call it imposter syndrome. It's been around a long time. You know, the first time I heard that term, I heard John Lee Dumas use it. And I'm not sure if he was quoting someone or if that was uh, if that had been around already. I should know that, but I don't. And imposter syndrome is something that everyone now is familiar with. And the reason I wanted to talk about it today is because while I've got some helpful thoughts about that, and I've offered them on the podcast before, Amy Porterfield talks about something. She's talked about this in her podcast, and she teaches it in her course, the 10% edge. And I wanted to share that with you because I think it is one of the most useful constructs for dealing with imposter syndrome that I've heard. And basically what Amy says, and I think this is absolutely right, and I'm going to tell you why. If you know roughly 10% more than the people that you're trying to help, that's sufficient to go off and help them. And I'll give you lots of examples. Let's say, for example, that you have just painted your house and you know you hired it done and you have some so you had some people do it and one of the things one of the mistakes that you made was that when you when you had them paint the ceiling you did not specify that you should have used a satin on the ceiling instead of the flat that you used because when you use flat on the ceiling, you don't get the light reflecting off the ceiling as well. And so it makes the room feel dark. And you've learned that now because you just painted your 2,500 square foot house with flat ceiling paint, and you really wish you'd done it with satin. And as a matter of fact, not only that, but you use the Home Depot store brand paint, and you can tell you really should have used the Sherwin-Williams branded paint because that looks better. And by the way, the guy that you used was awesome. He told you that you should use satin on the ceiling and he told you not to use cheap paint, but you did it anyway. And he did a great job despite of that. 
and you love that painter and you use them again five times. Okay, so that's your story. And now I come along and I need to paint my house. And if I told you that I needed help deciding how to get my house painted, would you be uncomfortable sharing your experience with me? Well, heck no, of course not. In fact, you do this all the time. Anytime your neighbor or your friend or your cousin from Toledo or whatever comes up to you and says, hey, do you know anything about house painting? You're the first guy. You say, well, sure, of course. I, I just painted my house and here was my experiences. And while I'm not a professional contractor, I don't build and paint houses for a living. I can tell you what my personal experience is painting houses. So I think where in, that this kind of idea, this, I know a little bit more about this than you do so I can teach you. I think that's a thing that really occurs in nature every day. In fact, mankind has been evolving that way for hundreds of millions of years where we get together in communities and we, we learn from each other from starting to build fire you know, I'm going to teach you how to build fire because yesterday I learned how to build fire or how to make fire. Um, we've been doing that and that's how we do it. And we do it in engineering too. We, we teach each other in, in engineering and in the sciences, we do it by publishing papers. And really when we publish critical papers in science and in medicine, we're not really saying, I know everything there is. I'm the world's foremost leading expert. What we're saying is, I did this experiment and I had this experience. And so I'm going to tell the world about it and I'm going to call it a conference paper. And in medicine, I'm even going to have some other doctors look at it and see whether they agree or disagree. And we're going to have a conversation, but I'm still going to stand up in front of 500 people at a conference and I'm going to present these findings because I did this work and I got this result. Well, when you look at it in that context, imposter syndrome doesn't even really make sense because basically what you're doing is telling the truth about what it is that you know or you think you know, and in most cases, why you believe that to be true. That's not telling, that's not, has nothing to do with being an imposter. That has to do with relating your experience to other people. And I think most of the best educators who are trying to teach a thing online, whether it's review products or, um, teach a course or deliver podcast content that's educational and ins inspirational, I think most of them are in that kind of spot where they're just trying to help people because they've done two things. They've thought about a topic and they've organized their thoughts around a topic and they've thought something through and they've have some experience. And as Amy says, they've had at least 10% more experience than the people that they're talking to. And I think there's where imposter syndrome comes from, and maybe this is true for you, is they are putting expectations on the listener that really aren't there. For example, I am talking about imposter syndrome, and hopefully you're hearing something that resonates with you or that you re re recognize to be true from your past or that will help you in the future, or that you can use to turn around and help something else, somebody else. And in fact, I would love it if you would take this and say, hey, I heard Mark Mason say this about imposter syndrome, and you, even though you didn't hear the podcast, friend, you, friend, can benefit from this 
And so I'm going to teach it to you. That's how this gets amplified and becomes more powerful. That's a separate podcast about the downstream effects of helping people. But if that's the situation, if I've helped you, let me ask you a question. When I said I was going to talk about imposter syndrome, did you expect that I had three advanced degrees in imposterology and that I was a certified licensed imposterologist and that I had been to university to study the history of imposterinization, which is a word I just made up. It sounds really cool. No, heck no, you did not. You knew that maybe I had experienced imposter syndrome myself, which I certainly have, starting from the very first time that I turned this microphone on, and it still is a little voice that pops up from time to time in my life today. You knew that I probably had experience with this, and you probably guessed that I had dealt with people that have had this problem in their lives, and you probably knew that I had some training, and Amy's only one of like 15 people that I, that, you know, that have trained me in this area of imposter syndrome and that you probably assumed I might have, I might be a little bit farther ahead of you in the thought process about imposter syndrome. And so that I might be able to help you. And so you listened in the same way that you would listen if we were in a coffee shop and you asked me about painting my house. It's exactly the same thing. So what comes, this imposter syndrome comes from, in many cases, this assumption that your audience is expecting or demanding that you have a PhD in imposterology or painting, or that you're the world's greatest home contractor in the case of paint. That's not what they're looking for. I'll tell you what your audience is looking for. It's the same thing that I talked about last week. They are looking to get more value out of what you have to say than what they're putting in. In the case of this podcast, you're looking to get more value out of it than the time you're spending listening to it. And in the case of a course, you're looking to get more value out of it than the $100 or $200 or $2,000 that you spent on the course. That's the fundamental nature of business. And that's exactly what people are looking for. They want value. So if you're delivering value... Whether or not you have a PhD in imposterology or whatever it is that you're talking about is completely irrelevant. So that's the first thing is that people are putting their their own insecurities, they're projecting that onto the listener, thinking that the listener is going to is going to be disappointed. But here's the real thing: it's it just comes down to the whole same thing we always talk about, which is fear. Imposter syndrome is really just another way that you're manifesting your fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, and ultimately the fear that you will not be loved. People aren't going to love me because I'm not an expert. They're going to criticize me. They're going to break me down. They won't love me. And so I'm going to put a name on it. I'm going to call it imposter syndrome, but really I'm afraid I'm going to be rejected and unloved in whatever it is that I'm doing. And I don't mean love like romantic love. I mean, they won't be excited about what I'm having to say. They won't like my blog post. They'll give it a thumbs down. They won't share my Facebook post. They won't enjoy my live and tell their friends about it. They won't love me. In fact, they'll, they'll be the opposite of that. I'm afraid they'll reject me. 
That is really what's underneath imposter syndrome. So here it is. Mark Mason gives you permission to help people, whether you have a PhD in whatever it is you're talking about or not. And I will tell you, I know a lot of PhDs and a lot of times a PhD in two bucks will buy you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Okay. I mean, come on. If you have my permission to help people, as long as you do what, what do you think I'm going to say? As long as you tell the truth. If you're transparent and honest with people, I think that is the complete and total solution to imposter syndrome. Let's take the house painting example, for example. I haven't painted a lot of houses, buddy. I just painted my house yesterday, but I'm going to tell you something. I learned a ton of stuff about what you need to watch out for when you paint your house. I'll give you another real example. I have a friend, Matt. I love Matt. Matt's like, I mean, on the best friends in the world list, Matt is very high. Okay. He's up there with Cliff. Okay. Matt and I just got back from Vegas. He's the coach of the softball team that I play on. I'm the assistant coach. We're buddies. We sit next to each other in church. Matt just bought a pool. I spent two hours explaining to Matt all of the things that he needed to worry about when he was building his pool. We talked about the pool finish. We talked about salt water versus chlorine. We talked about how to put the light, where the lights should be in the pools so that they don't shine in the house. They shine away from the house. We talked about how the pool fills. We talked about algae. We talked about all this stuff. Let me tell you something. I know a bunch about pools. How many swimming pools has Mark Mason had? Mark Mason has had one swimming pool for less than a year, but I'm 10% ahead of Matt. I've already done the swimming pool. I learned a ton. I made some mistakes. I did some research along the way. I had an amazing pool install company that educated me about how to put in a pool and I got a great result and Matt's been in my pool and he likes it. And so I'm, you know, compared to Matt, I know a lot about pools and I was able to help him. And I think if Matt were on the podcast, which that sounds like something we should do, um, if Matt were, although we might have to change the rating to explicit, uh, if, if Matt were on the podcast, then he would tell you that was helpful. That was a helpful conversation. Am I a pool expert? No. Did I tell Matt that I was a pool expert? Did I lie to him and tell him that I had a PhD in poolology or that I was a pool contractor and had been installing pools for 20 years? No, but it was super helpful to him. And it was because I was transparent. I told him the truth. I said, Hey, I'm not representing myself as a pool expert, but here's what I know. Here are seven things that will help you have a successful pool installation with low stress and without a lot of heartache and regrets after you put the pool in. And that's this is based on my personal experience. That's just the truth. That's just the same conversation that you and I might have at a Starbucks. And so I think if you approach it like that, where you are recognizing that the real thing that imposter syndrome 
is is coming at you with is fear of rejection and a fear that you won't be loved and you come at things by just being transparent and true about who you are you don't misrepresent yourself i think that is your recipe for completely wiping out imposter syndrome or helping other people in your life wipe it out for themselves this week in the world of internet marketing news okay so the last thing i wanted to leave you with today was just a little piece of internet marketing news regarding twitter so twitter is reporting actually marketing land is reporting that twitter's ad revenue is up 18% and it looks like advertising investment in that platform is increasing and there's uh you know they're reporting increased engagement with cost per engagement going down that's a signal that maybe twitter ads might be becoming more relevant you know as a marketer who buys paid advertising myself i like a lot of people and focus mostly on facebook and instagram i do some Google AdWords advertising, when that makes precise sense for the user experience. So if, so if I know that people are going to Google searching for a particular thing, I will buy a particular keyword. But as far as, you know, more broad-based advertising, most of the ad buys that I do are on Facebook and Instagram. I don't pay any attention to Twitter at all because I've tested it in the past and it didn't work for me at all. Having said that, you might find that Twitter works for you in any case. And now for some reason, and I'll imagine that it's because Twitter has gotten a lot better at getting rid of fake accounts. And they've been doing a lot of work to sort of increase the integrity of the user base on the platform. It may be true that it might be relevant for your business. And so I'd like to encourage you to check out Twitter. If you're buying paid ads, you haven't looked at it for a while. The only way you can know these things is uh, is through testing. They've, they've, they've been testing this new monthly active users metric now on Twitter. So it's a more of a realistic representation of the number of users that they actually have. And I suspect that as the quality of their metrics improves that you would expect an increased ad quality. And so that's probably where we're going to. So bottom line is the action for you is if you haven't looked at Twitter advertising in a while, and you know that your audience is on Twitter sometimes, you might give Twitter ads a try again. Not sure what I'm gonna do here, but it's an interesting thing, and I'll put a link to the Marketing Land article in the show notes. Okay, so that's what I have for you today. I hope you have an absolutely fantastic week. I hope if you hear the tiny voice of imposter syndrome that you'll think about what to do about it. You'll understand that really all you need is a 10% advantage as, as Amy has pointed out to me and so many others. And I hope you'll understand that helping people with the knowledge that you have is something that's been going on in mankind for thousands of years. And I hope that you will understand that the true thing underneath your imposter syndrome feelings is really fear of not being loved. And I hope you won't worry about that so much because people are going to love you there are audiences out there for you, but if you never get out there, you'll never find them. Until next week, ciao. You can do it right when it's late at night. You've been listening to the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. Be 
sure to visit latenightpodcast.com today to leave feedback for Mark. Download special bonus content, access the show notes, and more. See you there. Until then, then, go and make some great progress on your internet business. One night at a time. One night at a time. Hey, so I was in Vegas last week, as I mentioned. It was super fun. I made a bunch of money betting uh, college football games. We had a super sweet setup at the Link, which is uh, you know a big hotel with a giant sports bar, and we had our own couch and six TV screens. We had control. It was awesome. And we watched a bunch of really great football games. Uh, I also bet the Rangers to win the World Series in 2020. Which uh, pays 150, uh, 150 to one odds right now, so it seemed like a pretty good place to put a few bucks. <laughs> I also bought some lottery tickets, not really, but sort of the same thing. Um, but yeah, it was really fun, and I rode a mechanical bull. So you know, I'm from Texas, so I know how to ride a mechanical bull. Um, what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas, but I've also included mechanical bull video in the show notes for your viewing pleasure. It wasn't pretty. Um, it was late by the time I got to around to riding the bull. I may not have been operating at full sports capacity during that ride. But anyway, you might want to check that out. Late night. forward slash one eight eight in the show notes. That's where you'll find that. Ciao. Late night internet marketing. Hey, it's Mark again. I wanted to tell you one more time about this absolutely free resource that I have for helping people who are trying to get the big picture for internet marketing actually get started and understand what all their choices are. If that's not you, there's no more content. You can skip to the end. But if you're someone who came to this podcast because you're searching for how to get started online and you just can't cut through all the noise, I get it. That was me in 2007, when I was trying to get started, there were so many people throwing offers at me that I really couldn't even understand what all the different business models were. I couldn't understand how money moved around on the internet. And I couldn't really get a grip on what direction I wanted to go in so I could figure out how to move forward. I've created a free video resource for you just for that purpose at latenightim.com forward slash explain. In several short videos, I just explained to you what internet marketing is all about and what online business is all about and the different options that you have for starting an online business. There's nothing to buy there. You just sign up for access and you get the videos just like that. So if that's interesting to you or if you know someone who's in the same situation, send them that link, latenightim.com forward slash explain. And let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what people are thinking that are in the exact same position that I was in more than a decade ago in 2007. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. And in some ways, it seems like an entire lifetime ago. Again, that's latenightim.com forward slash explain. Late night internet marketing.